Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination because that's what we're focusing on. Imaginary stories that are yet so relevant to the world in which we live. We're going to talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, some books that I've read, and much, much more. So stick around and of course there will be anime as well. This episode of my podcast, like everything I do, it's all made possible thanks to a wonderful small community of patrons that help me with micro donations. And if you are able to support me and you like what I do and you would like me to continue to do this, then I need your help. And I would like to invite you to go to patreon.com slash fatherodrick and sign up. You can start for free. So it's it's free for everyone. And then for, I think, 250 yeah, it's 250 a month. Um, that's dollars, so that will might be different in, in your currency, but it's the same amount of money. Uh, you will get access to the premium version of this podcast, which means an extra long, uh, like twice as long episode every week. And then for the people that are able to donate a little bit more, they get a premium version of my other podcast, The Walk, and so on and so forth. But every little bit helps. And we're trying to close a pretty big financial gap until the end of the year. Um, we, I used to do this for free because I had, I w- was working in the, wor- in the world of television, but that job is no longer there. And so we are now currently using up our reserves. And of course, reserves are reserves. At one point, they're going to be, um, they're going to be gone. So uh, in the meantime, I'm hoping to find more people that can help me to continue this stuff. So if you enjoy this, take a look. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Is Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie shelved? Has it been cancelled? Well, he actually just talked about this in an interview, in a new interview, so let's discuss. Um, As you know, there are a number of Star Wars movies in production, in various phases of production. Some of them have been announced with a, with a date that we will see them at the movies. And next year is going to be the year that we will see new Star Wars. And then the, the year afterwards, is that actually correct? Now that I'm saying it, I'm starting to doubt. That sounds very soon. And of course, we've had the writer strike and the actor strike. So um, maybe, maybe it's next year. Don't uh, Anyway, <laughs> forget that I said that because I'm not sure anymore. No one is certain right now about release dates. We've seen so many movies being pushed uh, forward in time, well, because of the state of the world in which we live, because of the writer strike, because of the still lingering effects of the pandemic. And so, but we know for sure that we will get two Star Wars movies in one year, and then the year afterwards, we'll get a third one. None of those movies are uh, made by Taika Waititi. But, of course, we all know Taika Waititi from his Star Wars role in The Mandalorian. He played that killer droid, remember? Of course, he just did the voice, but he also contributed greatly to the the humor of that character. And I I still miss him. I know that he's he's still around technically, but I don't think he's going to have a recurring role in the next season of The Mandalorian. By the way, I also read this story, this new story, that... um, the Mandalorian will actually uh, not feature Pedro Pascal anymore in the next season. It doesn't mean that the character of the Mandalorian is no longer going to be in, in the series, because, of course, 
the Mandalorian. That's him. I, of course, there are other Mandalorians. <laughs> Katie Sackhoff's character, of course, obviously Sabine, is also has become a major Mandalorian role. So you could also say, well, the Mandalorian could also be, you know, referring to her. But we all agree, of course. You need that father figure and you need uh, Grogu. Otherwise, it's not going to be the Mandalorian. And I will stop watching if Grogu is no longer part of the show and uh, also his substitute dad. But um, as you may be familiar with, um, the, the, the character of the Mandalorian is only played by Pedro Pascal whenever his helmet comes off. That's when we see him. And of course, he is voiced by Pedro Pascal. But most of the acting that you see, most of the stunts are performed by other um, by other actors and other stunt stunt performers. And so, uh, but nevertheless, was a bit of a shock to hear that uh, Pedro Pascal will not be back for the next season. Um, uh, so what about Taika Waititi? Uh, this is a movie that has been announced actually before we heard of these upcoming three movies. Taika, uh, ever since he worked on The Mandalorian, has said that he loves the Star Wars universe. He'd love to make a movie. He has ideas. And at the time, Kathleen Kennedy was super enthusiastic. She's like, yeah, by all means, you'd go for it. Uh, but then, of course, Taika Waititi got kind of busy. Actually, he already was very, very busy. Um, he's been working on several movies, of course, and also roles in the, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um He's been at the helm of this Thor movie, Thor, was it Thor Ragnarok? I think so. Um, so that all delayed his movie, even to the point that we, we didn't hear about it anymore. And I was getting worried. Like, I really would like to see a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. Not just because he's one of the funniest people in the world, but also because I know that he loves Star Wars and I know that he's going to be a good job. This is one of the you know, at least in the, in the realm of, let's say, geeky movies, one of my favorite directors and writers. So I made a list of things that have been said about this movie and what Taika himself has recently revealed about his upcoming movie in a, I think it was a variety uh, interview. So let's let's go to the, the this first interview. Taika Waititi said, um, at the moment... I am still developing something with them, them being Lucasfilm, Disney. Like me, they have a lot of projects going on. I think they're going to push it until I finish these other projects. Oh, this was actually uh, to uh, entertainment uh, today, I think. Uh, we've got about four other scripts that I'm trying to finish. My thing is I want to take my time with that and get it right. I don't want to rush this movie. So this is not actually his most recent interview. This is uh, uh, something he said a couple of years ago. Now, when Entertainment Today or Tonight, I don't never E.T., what does it stand for? Uh, extraterrestrial <laughs> E.T. phone home. When E.T. spoke to Lucasfilm uh, President Kathleen Kennedy back in April, she echoed YTT's comments. Oh, yeah, all that's underway, she told uh, uh, E.T. about YTT's project, as well as, as well as Disney Plus's Lando series. There is no pivot, no pivot. It's all underway. Taika is a little slow. Everybody's busy. But yeah, those are great projects and we're definitely still doing them. So this has been kind of the recurring uh, message coming from Kathleen Kennedy. Yes, we're moving forward. It's just taking a bit more time. Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. So what else do we know about this movie? Waititi was announced to be directing and co-writing um, this Star Wars movie in... This was goes back to May 2020. That 
feels like an eternity ago. Um, and originally, that movie would come out this year. But then, of course, there was this little thing, the pandemic, that um, kind of changed, slightly changed some plans and some people's lives. And so, of course, that was off the, off the table. Um, and initially, YTD would be co-writing this with someone else. And that would be actually Christy Wilson-Cairns. She is from Scotland. She's a screenwriter um, and very acclaimed screenwriter. But in March 2023, it became clear that uh, uh, YTD is um, writing this movie all by himself. So that probably also is you know, nothing has nothing to do with, with uh, creative differences, but more likely just with people's agendas and calendars. You can't commit to a project like this for several years if you have so, so many other stuff that, you, that needs to be done. So there's nothing to worry about there. Now, according to a rumor, but I've never read anything online that confirmed this, but apparently he has said that he would also like to play a role in this Star Wars movie. That would be interesting. Could he be Re reprising his role as the killer droid or is it something new who knows i'd i'd love it if he would do uh do that um in 2021 so that's just one year after this project was announced he uh also gave an interview and he said we've got a story and i'm really excited by it because it feels very me as for bringing his humorous tone to the more heartfelt Star Wars universe, YTD suggested, it's no problem. I tend to go down that little sincerity alleyway in my films, he commented. I like to fool the viewer into thinking that, ha, it's this, and then they are going, dang, you made me feel something. Now, I love this because it means that he's not writing a comedy. He wants to touch the hearts of the Star Wars fans, uh, being a Star Wars fan himself. And I like that. I really... Uh, I, 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 I had no doubts that, that that would be the case. But um, I think when he says this openly, it's because he has an idea for a story that will actually be touching our hearts. And, and Star Wars needs that. Star Wars is not just special effects and lightsaber duels and, you know, just bad guys being bad and good guys being good. No, you need to be able to relate to characters and... and the heart of Star Wars is, has always been family. And so it needs to come as close as possible to that feeling that you have. It's like, these people are my family. I want to follow their journey on screen because I, I'm like a brother or sister or daughter or, or, or father or grandfather or whatever. <laughs> so he's called, he told uh, Screen Rant in 2022, so that's a year later... So he's already been working on this for two years now. He said, I'm still writing. I'm still coming up with the ideas and storylining it and just wanted to make sure that it feels like a Star Wars film. Because I could say, oh yeah, we'll just write any old thing and set it in space and then put Star Wars on the front. But it wouldn't be a Star Wars film without certain elements and a certain treatment. So I've just got to make sure that it stays within that wheelhouse. I would love to be able to interview Taika Waititi about his definition of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. I have some ideas myself, but I would like to hear from him why a good story... It does not necessarily make for a good Star Wars movie. So what are those secret ingredients? The fact that he's aware of that, that Star Wars is special, again, gives me hope. And then this year, earlier this year, in May, 
Taika Waititi revealed that he has a really good idea for this movie, which is kind of what he said two years ago, but he is struggling with the second act. You're like, so what's going to happen? The second act. Normally a story has three acts, right? It's the call to action, the situation, where are we? And then who's the hero and why need the hero go on a journey? The second act is where all the action happens and, and all the drama. And then the third act is, of course, the resolution. So he's still struggling with the second act. We don't even hear him talk about the third act. And then he asks himself, so what's going to happen? And then you look at all those films that are so great, and you're like, well, I guess they can't meet some smuggler with an alien sidekick, he explained. So he's like, I, I don't want to do what all the other Star Wars movies have done in the past. I, I, I cannot just copy the relationship between Han Solo and Chewbacca and just, just replace them with different characters that feel the same. Yes, that would be kind of Star Wars-like, but at the same time, it would just be rehashing something that has already been done. So he wants to bring something new to the table. And I think the, what, what makes it so hard for him is that on the one hand, it has to be like the Star Wars we know. And at the other hand, he wants to do something new, something we haven't seen yet. How do you bring that together? That's probably why he's struggling. And then in the same month, Kathleen Kennedy gave an interview and she said, um, yeah, Taika is working away. He, he's just, and uh, he won't get mad at me for saying this. He is slow. And then she says, we've got a couple of acts, which means two. We just need a third. So I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. So Kathleen Kennedy says, we, oh, we, there is no third act. There's just a first and a second act. And Taika had said in the same month, I'm really struggling with the second act. So that's not done. And there is just no plan, no idea on how to end the movie in a satisfactory way. So that's a bit worrisome. <laughs> According to uh, entertainment journalist Jeff Schneider, and this is very recently, um, it, it, he says it's, it's not dead. The pro project is not dead Taika has turned in multiple drafts at this point, multiple drafts, and other writers as well have touched it. So that's new too. We didn't know that, that other writers are helping because, well, Taika has uh, long maintained that he w wanted to write the whole thing himself. So now other writers are also stepping in, which kind of indicates to me that Disney probably wants to get over this part of the process. They need to plan this in. They need to put something on the horizon and schedule it in. And of course, a, a, a movie requires so many other people and, and, and companies to be involved and their schedule has to fit with your plans. And so I'm thinking Kathleen Kennedy's putting some pressure on the whole project so that at least they know when they can move on to the next phase. Um, and according to this, this entertainment journalist who usually knows quite a bit of what's going on behind the scenes. Taika owes Lucasfilm another draft after the writer's strike is over. So apparently this was in the middle of the writer's strike that he wrote this. And now that the writer's strike is over, Taika has probably or obviously promised that he would give another draft, which kind of means that a draft is the whole story, right? So he must have had some ideas about how to end this story. So... Just the most recent, in, in his most recent interview, he said, I'm, I'm still working on this. I'm just very busy. That's basically what it is. That's all we know. 
Um, it, I know it's not much, but at least it's something. So uh, let's hope that we'll soon see uh, some more news. Space. The final frontier. Now, one franchise that doesn't seem to have any trouble putting out new stuff is, of course, Star Trek. And we've seen so many great Star Trek series in the past few years, and there's more to come. Of course, the biggest one for me, or the most important one, is uh, Strange New Worlds. For me, that's the best that Star Trek has ever done. Um, and, of course... Uh, you may get upset if you're a Star Trek fan because there is this other big, big series that um, has a special place in the heart of many Star Trek fans, which is Deep Space Nine. And I've confessed it before, uh, and I've never been absolved by Star Trek fans. I have not finished watching Deep Space Nine. However, I'm making amends as a good Catholic priest. I am doing my best to after this confession, to repair the situation, right? It's part of confession. It's like, it's not just being forgiven, but it's also you try to do something about the harm that you caused. Not that I caused any harm, but I, I, I probably just missed out on a lot of good in the world. So I'm currently watching Deep Space Nine for the first time in my life. And um, thankfully, it is available on, on Netflix. Um, and I've, I've explained before that I have a very... I've the cheapest tier Netflix subscription, so it means it's not even HD. But I have to say, uh, Deep Space Nine itself is not really HD. Uh, it was filmed um, in in the time that they were st they were still filming everything in four by three. Um, it's very low resolution. The whole thing has never been upscaled, um, remade, or remastered for Blu-ray. And I think one of the main reasons is, and and this is different from. The Next Generation, which of course has had a fantastic remaster um, in, in, in maybe not in 4K, but definitely in HD. But for uh, The Next Generation, everything was filmed using real film with just old-fashioned cameras, whereas I think Deep Space Nine was filmed on tape. Which means that that's a locked resolution. You cannot rescan tape to make it look sharper. Um, Although, we're getting to the point that AI is getting so smart that it is actually able to add detail to what we see based on, like, studying the material. And the more you train an algorithm, the more it will get good at, um, at, at just comp completing certain images. Like, right now in Photoshop, you can say, well, this is my photo, but I want to have something on the left, which I didn't. I didn't include that in my picture, but just pretend that it's this. I'm that this picture is bigger, and 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 just add a mountain on the right and a tiger on the right, on, on the left, and it will actually create that, and it will look well very convincing. This is also uh, right now being um, implemented in in the world of video editing. There are already tools right now, thanks to AI, that are able to, for instance, take a vertical video and then make it horizontal by just adding landscape. And like, if I film myself in, in, in a garden, and I'm just, of course, I need to be like, if my hands, the moment my hand moves out of screen, then the algorithm is right now unable to fix that. But if I'm just standing still, and the camera is also fixed, 
it then can extend the image on both sides. Imagine that in the future we may be able to do this with 4 by 3 footage and the computer can just watch like every, every Star Trek series ever and then the algorithm can say, well, you know what, this is, this is the, the Enterprise C or D or whatever. And so I know from having studied all these images and maybe also been being uh, taught with, with real models or whatever, or maybe artists have fed me some more information, I can just, I can just expand this scene. I can make this widescreen. And I'm pretty convinced that upscaling something in a convincing way, right now you can upscale, but it still looks like upscaled material. But I think that we're getting to the point where AI can do upscaling and it will look sharper than the original ever uh, ever was. So um, maybe in the future we will see um, like a, a Blu-ray or at least a make an upscaled version of Deep Space Nine. Anyway, long story short, I'm enjoying the fourth season of Deep Space Nine. And there were two two episodes that were just amazing it's towards the end of the season and this is where the story for me at least becomes really interesting for like the first three and a half seasons some of the stuff was good but there were also a lot of episodes that were just very generic star trek you know problem of the week um but now you feel that okay there is this war uh, breaking out and it's it starts to add layers of complexity and you feel that the more and more time in the series is being dedicated to this central problem that is going to ultimately culminate in whatever big you know confrontation is going to happen in the last season and you feel that okay this the series for me finally f- gets focus however i do think that you need those previous seasons because you need to feel something for the characters. And so for three scenes, they've been building up this crew. And these, well, it's not really a crew because it's a stationary situation. But we get to know all these different characters, different aliens. Um, we do know a little bit about the political context in which Deep Space Nine operates. And now that we have all that in our mind, now the war can really start. So what I really loved about the two episodes that I would like to briefly mention here, in case you want to rewatch something, or in case you I, you need my excuse to go rewatch some Deep Space Nine episodes. So here's the first one. I thought it was fantastic. It's called The Quickening, and this is episode 24 of the fourth season. So in The Quickening, Dr. Bashir and Major Kira and Lieutenant Commander Dax travel to a planet that has been attacked by the Jem'Hadar. And these, this horrible enemy um, has inflicted an incurable disease called the Blight on the inhabitants of the planet as a punishment for resisting the Dominion. The Dominion is the big, you know, evil entity, or, you know, the, the, uh, that's basically the enemy in, in Deep Space Nine. And the Dominion um, is using the most horrific, inhumane, strategies and methods to submit planets to their will it's very cruel and so in this case they have infected an entire planet with an incurable disease and people are dying and the disease first leave painful black lesions on the body and then that quickens at one point and you basically it's almost as if you are completely covered in 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 burn burn wounds wounds and it's a horrible death so, when 
Dr. Bashir and Kira and Dax arrive, they hear about this guy who is actually helping the sick. And that sounds very noble to go visit him. And he kind of presents himself as a doctor. And, and, and lots of people come to him in the, in the final stage of the disease. But especially Bashir is like, so what exactly do you do? Do you give them medication? Do you, you know, give them palliative care? And it turns out they discover that he's actually euthanizing these people. And that, that he has convinced these people that that is actually the best way out. You know, there is no cure anyway, so we might as well get it over with if there is no... no. And what I loved about this episode is how much Bashir is, is outraged by this. He said, you're supposed to be a doctor. We're supposed to heal people or at least take care of them. You're killing them. It's the opposite of what we need to do. And that motivates him to start developing a cure. And some find, he finds some volunteers. At first, everybody's very reluctant, of course, because the Dominion also came from outside and they were subjugating the entire planet. So, But after a while, uh, Bashir um, uh, manages to convince them that, no, he's really there to help them. But he makes a mistake, or at, at, he, he didn't know that his equipment uh, radiates a certain electrical field, which makes the disease much worse and, and creates a lot of pain. And so everybody's like, you see, Matt's another another guy who says, I've got the solution and it. we're not going to get our hopes up. This is just, let's just, you know, let's just live with this until we cannot live no longer and let, let's put an end to it then. Um, he then uh, meets a woman who is really... Um, I wouldn't say it's a romantic relationship, but he really cares for her. And uh, and she's, she's pregnant. And he wants to save not just her, but also the baby. And so uh, he, he, he works day and night to develop a cure. And then at first it seems like she's getting better, and then she still dies. But the baby is born, and the baby is free of the disease and is no longer being able to be contaminated. So that's the first like ray of, of light and hope that he finds. And so that's what helps him convince the rest of the planet that, you know, there is a way out. And, and, and then he decides to stay there on the planet to continue working on, uh, on, on, on a cure. Um, I, I really loved, and then even the guy who was euthanizing people comes over and says, I'm going to help you. So Bashir, by giving his own, you know, by, by witnessing basically of his vocation to save people instead of killing them, manages to convert the heart of someone who thought that euthanasia is basically the ultimate gift that you can give people. I mean, I, I, was, I was stunned at the relevancy of this, uh, of this episode. And... I wonder if today they would write the episode like this, because euthanasia, unfortunately, in many parts of our world, is becoming more and more a common thing that is even proposed by doctors. I live in a country where, in the Netherlands, where euthanasia is just seen as just one of your options, you know? And as you know, as a Catholic and as a priest, I am, uh, I'm, I'm very worried about that trend. Because, uh, uh, of course, in, in, in very practical situations, suffering can be horrible. 
But at the same time, you get on this slippery slope, and we see this all the time in our country, where instead of taking care of people, well, we don't have personnel for that, and you know, our society cannot cope with all these sick people. Euthanasia is sometimes just chosen as a quick resolution of a problem that you know, otherwise would require too much sacrifice of society. This episode of Star Trek, I feel, is something that... Um, it's a message that is important and relevant. And, and I, I applaud the character of Bashir to stand with the oath that he once swore, I suppose, that doctors in, in Star Trek universe also swear an oath, that they will protect the lives of people instead of ending the lives of people. Anyway, very, very relevant. Now, talking about dying and death and disease, the second episode that follows after this one, episode 25, um, also treats uh, talks about the same the same issue, um, but this time it's Quark, the Ferengi who runs the casino on Deep Space Nine, who has been diagnosed uh, during a journey to, I think, his home planet, um, that he's been diagnosed uh, with an incurable disease, and he is certainly going to die. So what does he do as a Ferengi? He's like, oh, I'm going to sell my body <laughs> online so I can make some money to pay my debts. Because, of course, he's got a lot of debts everywhere. And that's what he does. He, he's convinced that he's going to die. He says, well, you know what? I'm already, I'm putting up my, my body, my remains on auction. So at least while I'm alive, I can still make some money off my impending death. The problem is he's been misdiagnosed. And someone has already bought the rights to his remains, and then comes to Deep Space Nine to reclaim his body. <laughs> so he basically has to kill himself to fulfill the debts because he's already told his debtors, you know, I'm gonna, going to pay off my debts because I'll be dead anyway. I've sold my body. And so, so he is in, he's be, between a rock and a hard place. And being a Ferengi, he believes that a contract with a fellow Ferengi, this is not true for any other race, but if you have a contract with a Ferengi, another Ferengi, you need to honor it, even if that means that he has to kill himself. And so he is very, um, he's in a very, very difficult situation. And I was wondering, how are they going to solve this, uh, this story? So if you still want to watch it, don't listen to what I'm about to reveal. <laughs> Just move forward a few minutes. Um, but he ultimately ends up uh, um, going well, dreaming that he is going to Ferengi heaven, and that's where he meets um, the the first Magus, uh, Magus, some kind of pope for the Ferengis, and this first Magus that appears to him in a dream in heaven, in Ferengi heaven, um, it has is the one who wrote the uh, rules of acquisition, which is like all these. These, these rules that um, uh, kind of direct the, the, the marketing and the, the business behavior of Ferengi. And he has a conversation with the Magus, and the old Magus tells him, you know what, yeah, you're, you're too much of a stickler. This is about your life. You're going to lose your life over a bunch of rules. You know what, they call them rules of acquisition. But in fact, I wrote when I wrote them, I thought they were just mere suggestions. <laughs> I'm like, that is so funny. And then he ultimately convinces Quark in the dream that Quark has to kind of loosen up a little bit. And when he has to choose between honoring these rules or his own life, you know, he has to, he has to uh, just discard the rules. 
So he, he wakes up, and that's what he does. He breaks the contract with the guy who came to claim his body. He repays him, he, he, even with interest. So, you know, in terms of... I, we would say that's a, that's a very honest way of resolving the situation, but for Ferengi, of course, that's, that's not enough. And as a revenge, the guy just robs uh, Quark from all his status in the Ferengi community, and even puts a claim on everything in his casino. So the entire place is, is um, uh, broken down, um, everything is sold, and Quark is left in his pajamas, basically. And even those, I think the next day, he still has to, has to hand them over <laughs> to the other guy. And this is where the, 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 the episode really becomes emotional, because that, then you see Quark, and he's, he's truly, he's no longer kind of like, the, the theatrical guy that he usually is, he's, he's completely broken. And he feels like there's no one in the world that can help me. And then everybody starts showing up, all the, all the people that... And everybody, of course, has mixed feelings about Quark. <laughs> Nobody really likes him, but at the same time, they, they, he's still a part of, of, of the community. And so what they do is they bring him new chairs, and, and it's like, of course... They don't sell him. They don't tell him we're we're going to help you. No, it has to be a transaction. So they well, we need storage space, and since this uh, place was available, we're bringing in some tables, and we have some gambling equipment and some music, and um, we need to put that there. We're going to charge you for it. And, and then Quark is like, "I'm in heaven. I'm now. I'm truly in heaven because I have friends, and friends are are helping me." Uh, to have a new future. I, I thought it was a brilliant episode and, and definitely the best Ferengi episode that I've ever seen. Japanimation! Yeah. Ah! Cool! We're wrapping up the show for um, the the for the, the general public, I should say, because, of course, the show is twice as long for my patrons. Um with uh, my weekly excursion to the world of, of Japanese animation or anime. And I started watching another series on at the recommendation, as usual, of my followers. Um, and what I love about uh, being on TikTok and talking about uh, anime is how vibrant the community is and how much they're often suggesting, oh, if you like this, you're certainly going to like that. And I need that information because I didn't grow up with with anime. I wish I had a community like that for, for comic books. Because I, again, totally grew up without comic books. This was, well, we had the European ones, but I don't know anything about the Marvel Universe. I have this subscription to the, the Marvel, what is it, Marvel Unlimited. But I just don't know where to start. There are thousands and thousands of comic book series, and I don't know what's good. So, well, thankfully for anime, I do have that community. And usually they're right on the money. Sometimes they... Um, kind of overestimate my um, my resolve. So sometimes it will recommend stuff and I start watching it and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is so violent or this is so, no, this is not for me. Um, but if I sense that it is important to a large part of my community over there, I still watch it and I still comment upon it because I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching anime because I want to know, I want to figure out why certain stories um, connect with people. Even if there are stories that don't connect with me, um, I'm still... what my, my fascination with anime is this: it's a different world from the world that I know. These are different stories from the stories that I grew up with. 
but there's still stories that are still entertaining. There's always a message, and I want to figure out what that message is. So I watched the first three episodes of a series called Full Metal Alchemist. And this is a... This series really surprised me. I did a video about this, um, which I'll probably soon post on my anime YouTube channel, um, and also on TikTok, of course. This is this is a series that was a lot deeper than I expected. The story is about this world in which alchemy is considered a science, just like any other science. It has rules. It is there's nothing magical about it, nothing satanic or whatever. No, it's just it's like these certain powers, but. Well, you, just as you can be a physician or a chemist, you can also be an alchemist. And there are these two boys that have learned a bit of alchemy, but disaster strikes and their mother dies of a disease. There's a pandemic or whatever, epidemic, and so they lose their mother. And, and that's when they're still very young at that time. They're like, well, maybe we can use alchemy to bring back our mother, maybe. And then they know that that's actually one of the rules that you cannot transgress. It's absolutely forbidden to use alchemy on humans or to revive human beings. And this has to do with a rule in this world, which I, I felt was so interesting. It's, it's the, the rule is called the um, law of equivalent exchange. That sounds complicated, but it's basically, in order to get something, you need to offer up something of equal value. And this is a, 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 a very important rule in alchemy. So for instance, you have a broken radio. At one point, they accidentally destroy a, a radio. Just a usual thing you, 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 you use to listen to radio stations. So the whole thing is in pieces. They can only fix this using alchemy because the actual physical amount of matter stays the same. But they wouldn't be able to create like a television out of it because the television needs more parts. So, but this is also true on a moral level. You cannot, and this is why you cannot use alchemy to revive human beings because it is said that a human soul, a human person has infinite value. And I'm thinking, wow, that's deep. That is so theologically correct to say that. There is nothing more valuable than human life. And so there is nothing that you can pay uh, for, for redeeming that life or bringing it back because you need something of infinite value. Maybe the only deal you could strike is my life to save your life, which then, of course, goes to the heart of what Jesus defines as the greatest gift of love, is giving your life to save the life of your friends. That's ultimately what he is doing, although he does it for all of us, even for future generations, because why? As the Son of God, his gift is infinite, and only an infinite gift can bring back the lives of all these eternal souls. Now, this is not exactly said like that in the series, but it is implied. And so I, I added some of my theological thoughts to the video, and I hope that my audience will, will kind of be okay with that, because I normally don't do that. I don't try to preach or anything. I just try to explain, like, okay, as a priest, I, this is what I see, and maybe this is how you can understand. But now I'm adding just my, my personal opinion to this. So it remains to be seen, but why not? I think I, I do have the trust of a lot of my followers. So a little bit of 
of theology every once in a while may be interesting. Plus, this is my genuine re reaction to seeing this. There, there's more to the series. You'll have to watch the video. Um, but there, there is also this, this question of how is it possible that a religion that is corrupted, not because of its maybe the beliefs, but because of its leaders or sometimes the founder, how can that religion, even though it's rotten to the core, can still be a source of consolation and hope for people? So how can something that stems from bad people still do good? This is a very relevant question that is also true in our real world. I'm, I'm asking myself this for, for, for a decade now. It's like, how is it possible that a church, my church, who has done so much uh, in history that is the opposite of what its founder, Jesus, would have wanted us to do, and think of the, the abuse scandal, but also the abuse of power and, and the wars and whatnot. And even today, there's so many people in the church that you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that they pretend to be people of God. While in their behavior and the way they judge others, it's the opposite. Um, how can that faith still nourish so many people, including my, myself, on a day-to-day -day basis? Can, I, I think it can only be because there is something that is beyond what... Uh, religion is not just something of human making, and dependent on the quality. This is also true for, for a priest. A priest can do good, even though he himself is evil. <laughs> so if someone, like a priest, is a sinner, um, he can still, and, and I think this is by the grace of God, so it's not because of his merit, but God can, can also work through his ministry to do something good in the world. Think of all these crooked preachers that have, you know, were embezzling money behind the scenes and everything. And yet, it may very well be that they're preaching, which they didn't follow <laughs> themselves in their personal lives, but their preaching could have still changed lives for the, for the better and may, may have inspired people to do great deeds of charity. Um, so I was surprised to see themes like this in an animated, in a Japanese animated series. The series is called Full Metal Alchemist, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, the other, what is it, 48 episodes that I still have on my to-watch list. And with that, it is time to wrap things up. If you want to listen to the premium version of this show, as I mentioned before, go over to patreon.com slash fatherodrick, and I would love you to be part of my Patreon community anyway. As I mentioned, it's free. So just go there, sign up, and you'll get access to everything I post there and every day I try to bring more value to my patrons uh, the, the, the paying ones and, the, and, the, and the, the people that are just there for the community thanks to all of you that are supporting me and for you I will continue the show with uh, everything I learned on the internet with a book review some, um, some recipes that I tried out this week and, and much much more so stick around and we'll talk soon have a wonderful rest of your week, and see you next time.